0: In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Amen. John and Jesus, whose way John prepared, are inseparable. Their preaching actually is the same. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John is hated by the Pharisees because he called them a brood of vipers for their impenitence and trust in themselves and their works. John was arrested by Herod for daring to call a king to repentance for adultery. And of course, we heard he was killed because of the scorn, the scorn of Herodias. Now some might say that John should have softened his tone a bit and said things in a way that, well, wouldn't get him into trouble. You don't want to be canceled in the court of public opinion. But the truth is, there's no gentle way to kill sin, no kind way to expose and kill the old Adam, which is the prophet preacher's job. Sin cannot be reformed or persuaded away. It must be killed. The same preaching is seen in Jesus, again. He doesn't only match John's fire and brimstone, he exceeds it. He tells us to treat our sin as though it is a gangrenous limb, to cut it off and throw it away, even to cast out the eye if it causes one to sin. Those same Pharisees who refused to repent by Jesus were called hypocrites, blind guides, sons of hell, whitewashed tombs, and, like John, a brood of vipers. The cities of Galilee, which refused to repent and receive him, Jesus says, will have a much harder day on the day of judgment than even Sodom and Gomorrah. This judgment is against all who refuse to repent. It lies upon all who who heed neither John nor Jesus. We heard the same from the Old Testament prophet of old. John or Jesus is the Elijah who is to come. We heard about Elijah who preached not a loving and gentle message towards those false prophets of Baal, he did not only put them to shame as they wailed and cut themselves trying to get Baal's attention, in vain, of course, since Baal was dead, but then after losing the wager, Elijah with the other prophets put all those false prophets to death. And then their sponsor, the one who had brought all the prophets of Baal into the northern kingdom that Queen Jezebel, who had married Ahab of the north, threatened God's prophet with a similar death, to put him to death by the sword. Sound familiar? Sounds like John. Sounds like Jesus. And then Elijah flees into the wilderness filled with fear. When hearts do not repent and cling to Christ alone, preaching repentance and faith in the one true God also gives rise to violent hatred. It's a hard lesson to learn, but Jesus himself says that the preaching of repentance for the forgiveness of sins in his name, that is by his suffering and death on the cross, is a rock of stumbling and offense, a scandal. And that's why people respond even to the word of forgiveness with hostility, even violent hatred. So, as in John's time, so also today, when the church sounds forth the call to repentance for sins, Well, there is murderous hatred. And as we've learned in the last 10 or so years, when we call our nation, our people, to repentance for their adultery, false conceptions of marriage, well, calling things marriage which are not, it is met again with hatred. Murderous words. Canceling. As with our Lord, we call all to repent of their sins and to trust in him. For outside of his sacrifice for us, there is only wrath and judgment. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, no, not one. Romans 3. Apart from Christ, from trust in him and his sacrifice for us to forgive sins, there is only wrath and judgment. It actually is quite unlovely to leave people in their sins, thinking it would be unkind or perhaps there's a softer way to bring them around. You're just leaving them to the wrath of God. So we actually admire John's boldness. We've been hearing about it in his preaching. We delight in that fiery preaching against our ungodly age, calling out Herod for his adultery with his brother's wife. But we must not forget that that call to repent is for our ears too. The words of John's sermon to Herod, it is not lawful, is also directed to you, hearers of God's word today, in many and various ways. It's not lawful to covet the treasures of this world. It's not lawful to fear men more than God and stay silent. It's not lawful to hurt others, to refuse to defend the weak. It's not lawful to call marriage what God has not. Don't be like Herod and attempt to silence this call to repent. It is for your good and for the good of all those who will call on Jesus. Trying to silence the preacher will cause you to lose more than any kingdom that you've concocted, any earthly wealth or treasures that you've built up. Actually, your fate would be far worse than that of even John, who lost his head. More than anything of this bodily life, to be like Herod and attempt to silence that call to repent will put your whole body and soul in danger of hell. So listen to the preaching of the word. Heed that call to repentance. Believe the gospel. Be forgiven. But again, many even hearing Jesus loves you so much that he died for you to forgive you, well, that will be met with persecution. There is a misperception that persecution only can be for the sake of the gospel in the proper sense. People are offended and persecute us because we give people, well, a good news, a word of freedom, freedom from sin, death, and the devil. Well, this is the ultimate cross that every Christian may bear, John's imprisonment and martyrdom show that we Christians will also suffer persecution for confessing the truth and goodness of God's law, namely the Ten Commandments. In his case, preaching against the Sixth Commandment. So we will be rejected for adhering to God's word, law, and gospel. Because you can't really preach forgiveness of sins without preaching, well, what are sins in the first place? The second stanza of our first hymn spoke of Christ coming to actually provide the cure for the curse of death that lies upon our whole ruined race. Because of Christ's death for John and for all mankind, they and we can live confident, knowing that Jesus he already has us, and that nothing can separate us from him and his love, not even death, not even losing our head. The martyrs and all the faithful departed await in heaven for the hope the resurrection of their bodies, even if Jesus has to take the head and join it back to the corpse. So, we also prayed in the psalm for help and deliverance and preservation when we are persecuted and seized by the wicked who hate us because we are righteous in Jesus. Even in the midst of suffering and persecution, the mouths of Christ's saints are filled with his praise, and thus the martyrs give witness to the glory of Christ, even. As they offer up their lives, if you don't mind me picking on you, Vicky, mentioned today, you know, would we be able to uh, to be able to stand up uh, for Christ if we were put on the stand like John? And I think the answer, of course, is that well, God would give us the words to say and also the strength and the and the faith to trust that He has us and we will be resurrected on the last day. This is actually. Um, the part of the story of the hymn of the day for today, that office hymn. It was written by a man named uh, Joachim Klepler, excuse me, Kleffer, It's a hard name. And if you noticed, if you look down at the bottom, at the bottom of the hymn in your hymnal, it says he died in 1942. A German that died in 1942. Well, you know that it was under Nazi rule and because of, well, his faith in Christ. That hymn, in the face of the rise of a Third Reich, is the darkness that he's singing about. It's worth going back and looking at the hymn again now that you know that truly he was facing a world of darkness, of suffering, of death, of of murdering threats, indeed dying at the hands of those Nazis. But even under the threats of that darkness, of Nazi rule, well, it didn't ignore or easily set aside the dark trials that are beset of any child of God, Rather, we heard in the midst of such trials and sadness the comfort of God's promise to dwell with us, especially in the the child, the Christ child, seen in that great beauty of the incarnation of Mary's son, who comes to bear all things for us, be they sickness, trials, suffering, and even death, and the death of a tyrant. John and Jesus were both murdered unjustly for speaking the word of God in an attempt to silence their calls to repentance. But God's word cannot be silenced. God will send another prophet, be it an Elisha to follow Elijah, or an apostle to follow Jesus, or the apostolic church. To this day, God has preserved his people and the preaching of his word, calling all sinners to repentance for the forgiveness of sins, that they be made Christ's own, holy and righteous in his name. Thus it is that the prophet pastor like John prepares the way for the one who is greater than he. His whole life and death is a finger that points us to Christ. And yes, John was beheaded for the sake of defending holy matrimony. We too should have such boldness and confidence to speak in defense of marriage and family and our identity as male and female as God made us. Even if it means we have to suffer for the sake of the truth. Ultimately, Jesus is the one who was crucified, that he might claim us all anew and actually wash us clean in his blood, forgive us our sins, even our cowardice, and making us part of his holy bride, the holy church, which is what all marriage is meant to point to. Thanks be to Jesus in his holy name. Amen. Amen.